I'm dating a psychoanalyst. My girlfriend's a, a psychoanalyst in training. She's a psychiatrist,、okay. and、uh, we've been together for about a little over a year. Often enough, I will say something, which I mean one way,、yeah. you know, in the way that I think I mean it. Maybe it's a joke that she takes seriously and thinks about.、Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's、uh, just a statement, and she will be able to like. Put it in context and expose how what I was really saying, right? right. What I was unconsciously saying. Right. For so, and as an example, something that I think I'm I'm finding myself just very obsessed with the Twitter files. Like、right. I, I think this is very important. I really am just I I thinking about it all the time. I'm tweeting about it too much, and she would be like, "Well, what unconscious trauma are you acting out? What is it? What is the?" Actual underneath your all your reasons. What are what what are you truly unconsciously working、yeah. out by doing this? And my feeling would be like, oh well, I don't know what what unconscious. I mean, I know I was just divorced. Um,、yeah. you know, all sorts of. I went to the doctor the other day. All sorts of things that might be in the background. But like, isn't it? Are all on my reasons? They're they're good reasons. These are I've worked them all out. Look 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 look, and it's just like no. Let's talk about this unconscious motivation that you have. Here's how I would say. I would say there's to me there's difference between uncon between conscious decisions and unconscious freedom. So if the unconscious is like like when you're acting unconsciously, why? How did that unconscious form? It formed why? Because something happened to you, right? And you were like psychically, you're like this doesn't. I'm. Not, I can't accept this. I can't accept this. So I'm gonna, whatever, create a. Your Melanie Klein is when I was weaned from the breast. I know. Okay. So right. Yeah. yeah. Onion, so whatever. But whatever. You know. Was, I'm just right? saying that's the kind of thing that、right. you're talking about with the unconscious. It's something. But that, it could be. It could be anything, right? It could have just been a way your parents talked to you. It could have been like the when you were at school and you were bullied and some unconscious. Like you just you wouldn't didn't accept it. Like you may have accepted it. At the time, you know, physically, but psychically, you didn't. You said, "I, I can't accept this," right? And so, then some kind of, and it formed as a psychic trauma, and then un, it became unconscious. So, that you see what I'm saying? Like that is a that is a a free act of of rejecting what was the the place that was given to you by the social order, right? And by everyone around you. The death of God is about the drying up of a horizon of meaning, and of a whole form of human life. Where do we stand in the illusion it makes? What kind of space are we invited into? The material relations between people become social relations between things. When we look at toasters, corn, and TVs, we don't we see. We still, to a large extent, live in the interregnum between. So、between worlds, if you will, or between paradigms, not many people in the history of the world have faced that. Diet Soap is a Sublation Media podcast. Todd McGowan is the author of Enjoyment Right and Left. I'm I'm going to be talking to him about、um, negation today, eventually. But before we started this recording, I was just sort of. Unburdening myself of my uh, uh, feelings about、um, 
the state of the world uh, and particularly uh, about the power of the Department of Homeland Security and and the CDC and the and the CIA and other uh, nonprofit organizations to, that they they grab to be able to censor speech online and in the mainstream media and in newspapers and true pretty much across the board let's say over the last decade and certainly over the last three years and I was talking to Todd about this and he was rightfully pressing me a little bit on my position. My question was like, you, I think you would want certain things censored. Like if you wanted someone to say, like, like if someone was a Holocaust negationist, you would think like, well, that should be, we think that shouldn't be like propagated. Let's think about that particular example. Um, in Europe, it is the case that it is illegal to deny the reality of the Holocaust. In the United States, it is not the case that it is illegal to deny the reality of the Holocaust. Right. If you want to publish a book that denies the reality of the Holocaust in the United States, you are legally permitted to do so. Now, that doesn't mean that Barnes & Noble or um, Amazon or Powell's Books or the local library is uh, you know, committed to or has to uh, stock that book. Right. But you are permitted to print that book. Of course. Okay? Of course. Now, in the case of what's coming out about the Department of Homeland Security right now, is it is as if they are going to all the bookstores. Let's say they go to uh, Barnes & Noble. And they say, yeah, you know, you're one of the few big chain bookstores left. You kind of have something a little bit like a monopoly here. But, you know, we've got legislation in, in Congress that's going to allow you to continue with these business practices. There's just this thing. There's this Holocaust denial book that you are carrying. And we want to send some people from this nonprofit organization over to train you on how to spot the kinds of books that you should carry and what kinds of books you shouldn't carry going forward. And, and it's not that they just say Holocaust denial books, but also books about uh, the science of vaccination. Uh, books about the history of Russia, books about, you know, and that, and the, and they come in every month yeah. or every couple of weeks and train you about new things that you need mm -hmm. to be on the lookout for to make sure you don't put on your shelves and what kinds of things that you need to be, uh, promoting and, and right. publishing. Um, they tell you about the narratives that they need, that need to be protected. Um, that's the situation we have right now in America. Yeah, I mean, it, I agree. I don't think that's ideal, but I do think I would. I'm against it, but I'm just more. I'm more wary of. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just always going to be less wary of the state than I am of big capital doing the same thing and worse. Right? Like I think that. Like, I don't like the fact that Twitter. That's why I'm not on Twitter because if Twitter was a public entity. I would be on it. So if Twitter was like, okay, it's controlled by the state and there are state guidelines for what can be put. I would be on it. Okay. But, so but but why? It's a private company and it's owned by, you know, it always has been owned by a private. Mm -hmm. Right. Like then, then I don't want to, I don't want to like serve that figure. So, I mean, I'm a, I'm much more wary of the kind of, even if it's de facto censorship that even the form of Twitter puts on thinking 
than I am of these like state interventions. I'm just sorry. I just <laughs> okay. Well, let let's. You raised two points, right? Yeah. One is that you're more secure with the state dealing with the state than you are with private corporations, and and I think I can. What, the reason why is that? I mean, why is it that the state? Is, you're more amenable to the state. Than well, the state is public. I mean, I look, I understand that the state is like, I'm not an idiot. I mean, I understand. I've read a little more because I know the state is, I mean, I've read a lot of work. Well, no, I know. But no, you but know. the reason why, you just said it, and that's important to underscore. The reason why is because the state is public, meaning that it's it's supposed to be answerable to the, to the public. To, to the, the public, public, right. In a democratic and transparent way, right? Right. Well, um, not, it's not always going to be transparent, but let's hope democratically, right? I mean, well, there's certain I mean, things about the state that can't be transparent, right? Like, I don't know, there was just this leak. You probably know about this. There was this leak about we have certain spies in, high up in Russia, and so we know before they know what they're going to do. And you, like, that was, that should not have been transparent, right? Like, that should not have been leaked. Okay. Like, well, well, right. Like, okay. So now, uh, with, if, the majority of the government's actions are be done behind closed doors and we don't have transparency. I think that would limit our ability of course. to be in any of kind of democratic control, of right? Of so while there may be exceptions where we accept things that we accept have to be done you know, in, in behind closed doors in secrecy, we are, we want to limit how much how many of those kinds of things there yeah. are. Yeah. But I think that's important to have certain of those. Like, I think, say, negotiations about, I don't know, different things like peace treaty, whatever. Like, I think it's very important that those are not disclosed because, I mean, I'm not talking about spying. I'm just talking about, like, trying to make agreements between nations that are that are good things. Like, I think that if the details leak out, then I think turns people against them. And, you know, like, you, you know, like some things, I don't, I'm just not, I'm, I'm pretty much a Democrat, but I mean, small, right. Democrat. But, right. But, okay. But let's, I mean, let's just take, let's just take France, for instance, like when Mitterrand eliminated the death penalty, which you and I think, think is, was a great thing, right? Like if he, if, if the details would have got out what he was, I mean, he ran on it in a sense, but, but they, I don't think people were sure he's going to do it. Like it was good that he was not transparent about that. So I think there are some times where I would just say it's non-transparency is better. But in general, I agree with you. Transparency is a democratic. I mean, if if we if the the dip the major difference in terms of democracy and democratic. I mean, not economic difference, right? But the political difference. Political difference. Between a, a corporation and the well, there are lots of political differences. But one of the major ones is that a corporation has no obligation to be transparent or answerable to the public. Right. Whereas the state does right now. One of the ways. Even in an autocracy, the state does. Right. Right. Like, in that sense, in some ways, then the corporations are also have. In, 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 right, right. If you say autocracy is, but uh, uh, in any democratic uh, state, there are ways in which, you know, the, the public is given control and the state is organized in order to limit its power and to empower the public. And right. in the United States, we have the Bill of Rights. Right. And, you know, the First Amendment. I'm a big right fan of those states. things. Yeah. Right. Um, the the Fourth Amendment, the the right to be protected from unlawful 
search and seizure, search and seizure. Yeah. right? These these are important rights, and um, if we were to discover that the military and its and and aspects of the bureaucracy had not only violated our, some one American's First Amendment rights one time, but had set up institutions and networks of communication and funding to systematically uh, violate people's first amendment rights on the regular. Yeah. Then, you know, like every couple of weeks by the thousands or millions. Millions. Yeah. <laughs> then I think that's when we would have to say that the state has overstepped its bounds and that, um, and that, and that doesn't just have limited consequences. Like in theory, yeah. it means that when we attempt to communicate with each other, talk about political ideas, important ideas, organize together, we have a secret, uh, relatively secret, although it, it's remarkable how much of this has been done in public, really. If you just, you just have to take the time to like go to yep. the websites and read their bio, you know, read their yep. about us pages and right. it's right there. Like the CIS is partnered with the CISA, which is, a, you know, and then you have to go, what's the CISA? The CISA is a department within the Department of Homeland Security. It's an agency within the Department of Homeland Security. And you're like, oh, yeah, Department of Homeland Security. What was that? Oh, yeah, that was that organ. Yeah, that was that agency that was created after 9-11, yeah. right around the time when we lost a huge amount of civil liberties in this country. Right. And right. So, um, so anyhow, um, I think that when we, this particular case, this what we're ex being exposed to through the Twitter files, um, and hopefully through more reporting going forward. I don't know who's going to pick it up, and it may only be the right that will pick it up. We have to be prepared for that. Um, what do you uh, think of that? Why do I think that's the case? What do you think of that? Do you think that's a problem, or do you think that's a problem at all? I think it's a problem for the left that they that we are unable to break with the Democrats enough to say things that are inconvenient for. The Democrats who are, you know, and to to stand up to major, you know, grossly d disturbing violations of the, you know, kind of bedrock of the contract that the government's supposed to have with the people. Yeah. Um. That yeah, I think that we the to the degree to which we think our only option is to sign defend. on with defend yeah. the Democratic Party. Yeah. Um. That's a major problem, and it wasn't like this twenty years ago. Like it wasn't like this before Trump, quite not quite like this. I mean, to some degree it was, but you know, I remember when the war in Iraq started and all the Democrats mostly lined up to vote for it. Oh yes. Right. right. And you know, leftists were as angry with them right. as they were with the Republican. Party. I mean, that cost Hillary Clinton the nomination in 2008. It did. That single thing. Right. I think without yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, so like, I, I just, I don't think that it's a problem that, uh, that the right is, I don't think it changes in the character of the story that the right's reporting. It. I, I think it does though, Doug. I think Why? it does. I think it matters who is telling something because you have to say like, don't you have to say like, okay, certain things were hidden from us for a certain amount of time. Why you're asking, and you're rightly asking, why was that? But you, don't you also have to ask a question, why are we learning this now? 
and who is telling it to us. Like, I, I don't think, so this is a point that Agamben made when people said, you know, Giorgio Agamben, right? Like, so, yeah. so he took, he, he is a total anti-vaxxer. He just, he, he attacked Pope Francis for going out and seeing the people who were, had COVID. And he said, your namesake would have gone and washed their feet and you hide behind your, your, your thing. Right. So, and then people said to him, well, that's the position of Trump. And he said, a truth is a truth, no matter who articulates it. Sort of Gombin said. Well, that is like fairly, I mean, by the rules of like lot regular old logic. Yeah, that's true. There's a fallacy called the ad hominem. Yeah, no, I understand that, but I don't, I think that's absolutely not true because I mean, to me, this is one of the great ideas of both. I think that's what unites Hegel and psychoanalysis that, that, uh, who is saying and why they are saying something is part of what's being said, right? Like I can say to you, oh, you look nice today. And I could be saying it because I want to seduce you or because I want to butter you up or because I'm really being ironic. And, and, and well, in that example, it's a difficult one because there's no objective way to determine how nice I might look or, or not look. But right. what if you said, um, you know, uh, I don't know, the, the sky is gray with clouds today. Right. Which, you know, if I look up and it is, right, in yeah. Portland, as always. Yeah. Um, d- does the fact that I am, uh, let's say that I'm a, what a lot of people accuse me of these days, a big old Trump supporter. Does the fact that, that um, the, I no. said that the clouds are gray mean that they aren't? No, 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 none of that matters, but it does matter why you said it, right? Like maybe you were saying it to get me, <laughs> to get me to accede to an objective idea of truth. Like, I don't know. I'm not, I, I, I believe there's truth, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, but I do think that it just matters who is saying it. And because you have to think about why you were, why they are saying it, why are you learning what you're learning when you're learning it, right? Like, I think that's, that's part of what you're learning. I did. That's all. I, again, I'm not. I'm not well, okay. I, I want to explore this a little bit more because I don't totally disagree with you here, but it, I think that we can. I think that when we uh, judge a statement like the one about how the Pope should have gone out into the, in the masses yeah. and risked COVID to, to demonstrate his connection to the flock, right? But what, which I'm not sure I. I think that was a very important thing. Uh, I, I have no opinion about that whatsoever. But, um, but when we consider that kind of question, we have to do, and, and we say, well, Trump said the same, might have said the same thing. I'm not, did he say the same thing? Well, no, he just, he downplayed, Gallman was accused of downplaying the deadliness of COVID and Trump obviously did the same thing like it was okay a, okay it, it, right well, so well, that's the so what but we have to ask okay so it was a gumden but so what were what was his motivation there and and was it the same as trump's well no i don't think so i don't think so but right. my only point was he said a truth is a truth no matter who articulates it that was my only point to bring up oh, okay right yeah, so, so but okay if it isn't the case that well if if I'm going to say this, I'm going to try this out. See, I yeah. feel like I'm trying to be too clever by half here, but okay. <laughs> but let's see if I am. 
if it's the case that a truth also con- includes who's saying it, um, I think what that means is that the that you can determine that by understanding what it implies, like what where it leads, and 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 you can determine whether or not it's still true based on whether or not it leads you to more relatively true conclusions. Right? I, I think but, that's pretty good, Doug. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. Yeah. So that means that who's saying it matters, but it can't be tested just by judging their character um, in advance. You only can judge it by basic by judging where their argument is leading you. I think that's so, right. I think that's right. Like you're, and it's a good point that you are. It's not some desire you harbor deep inside you. It's the desire that manifests itself in the statement, whatever it is. Like it's not right. Yeah. So I think that's real. I think that's good. I like. I felt I felt like I was being clever. So yeah, yeah. No, I'm glad right. to be confirmed. Yeah. That yeah. I was. Um, yeah. So in the case of Gamden, um, we have to know, like, where did that? What did that lead to? What was he? What was he? Why was he saying that? What? Not why was Trump saying that? But why was a Gamden? Well, Gamden was saying it because he he was getting a deluge of critique for taking up a certain position relative to COVID, and he was trying to find a way to defend himself right like i don't think right. it was anything beyond that i think it was well, just but, and what was that position he thought that we were uh giving away too much of our human our, liberty. Our yeah yeah our freedom yeah, like he thought he was very sitting here now looking back on it there's some validity to that i mean that looks like more like at the moment i would have said shut up and stay at home but now right. Looking back, I'm not so sure. I mean, especially considering when you take two things into account. One is that the narratives that we were told were often not fully true. That the the um, that the the research they were rushing to get things done so quickly. They were acting so quickly that they didn't have the ability to be as secure in the things that they told us as we might have wanted. Like. What was the efficacy of the vaccine really going to be when it came to stopping the transference and, you know, the infection? I think it's efficacy on stopping transmission is almost zero. Right. But when I took that vaccine, I had read in the New York Times and seen on CNN and in other reputable places that it was somewhere around 98% affected in stopping transmission. Yeah. I mean, people are wrong. Right. I mean, but like, right. But the thing is, like, now think, we know that they hadn't done the studies to justify that. I know. But, but I do think like people who were taking the vaccine, I don't I think it is true that it was safe. Like, I don't know of anybody that's died from the vaccine. Right. So I think that's a. I, I think that it is. I don't know how safe it's people always die from vaccines. Yeah. There are always adverse reactions. Somebody's going to have a big enough one if you if you vaccinate. 300 million people, right. a few people. Or are millions. We're vaccinated billions. Right. I mean, but in America, you know, yeah. say. so yeah, you're, 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 someone's going to die. So people have died from the vaccine. Right. But, but percentage wise, it's much lower than it. I mean, it's not, it's not a, it's not, hasn't become a thing. We would certainly know about it. Uh, well, here's the problem. We, we know now from the Twitter files that the F, there was an effort by the CDC that reached out to every major you know, media outlet, including 
Facebook and all the, the social media ones, but not, ex, not exclusively there where they said stories about the side effects from the vaccine are considered malinformation and to be avoided. So that means that we can't trust what we think we know about yep. the side effects of the vaccine. I'm not saying they were way out of proportion. I'm just saying because of the, the lack of transparency and the censorship that we now know about um, and the fact that we were lied to and, it, and people admitted to like Fauci, for instance, admitted to lying to us a number of different times, one about the, the masks, then about what it would take to get to herd immunity. Um, and no, he, he lied about the mask because he didn't want people buying N95 masks. Right. But yeah. right. That's right. But what so, that is, so he no. was doing it for the sake of like, so, but, so but, emergency but, room people could have masks. I mean, I'm not I saying it was unjustified in its motive. No, but, but you right. said it like we were lied to. Well, I mean, he was trying to yeah. serve, he was trying yeah. to serve public health. I mean, that's why I think like a yeah, but the way to serve the public health part of, I think part of the way to serve the public health is to think more than just right now to understand that and he didn't just lie to us and then try to cut. And then, you know, we found out about it. He admitted he was lying to us and to our faces. Cause he basically said to me, I didn't trust you to handle the truth, which was that there was going to be an increased risk from the lack of masks because of our unpreparedness for this and that you needed to, to be staying at home more and to not buy masks, even though it might be to your individual benefit to do so. I didn't trust you to do that and decided that rather than trust the public to deal with truth, I was going to lie to them instead. That's what he said. That's what he did. And then that's what he said that he did. Right. So I'm now we know. Aren't you glad he said it rather than like covering up the lie afterward? I don't know. I mean, if we're going to justify it based on the efficacy. Well, I'm not I'm, basing it on, I would just justify it based on the fact that it, it, it's a public health crisis. Again, like I'm not for total transparency. Like, look, sorry. The, I have anti-vaxxers who are very close to me. And mm -hmm. I just think. Sorry, you know, what? I took, I want you to know, I, I'm not anti-vax. Okay, I'm I understand. Not, I, you know I got vaccinated three times. We've talked about it before. Right. But I just think, I, I know this is going to be a very unpopular opinion. I don't even think there should be a choice. I'm like, sorry. Like, that. so I'm just much more of a statist, I think, than you are. And because I just think, like, look, there are certain responsibilities that come. Like, okay, you're right. We have certain rights. We also have certain responsibilities of being part of the, part of the public. Okay, and I think, but let's say we do think that the vaccine vaccine should have been mandatory. Should it have been mandatory given that it didn't actually have much efficacy in stopping the transmission of the disease? Okay, probably not. Probably not, but we didn't know that. Like, I think you... Well, we knew like, that we didn't know. We knew we didn't know how... But, but most vaccine. But you have to admit, most vaccines do... St I mean... Look, part of well, it was, I heard rumors ahead of time that because of the way the virus is mutating, yeah. that part that and the the implementation of the I mean, this isn't exactly why it didn't trans, stop transmission actually, but uh, that it, that vaccination rolled out the way it was being planned to be rolled out would only increase mutation, and uh, that it would not actually 
bring us to herd immunity. Um, I heard that really early on, but we were being told that, and I said, well, what the hell, maybe it's not a hundred percent, but it's what we've got. Let's do it. Right. I, um, I, I, I just think that's a pretty, that's, that seems like, I mean, that's how smallpox was dealt with. That's, I mean, it's a, it doesn't seem like an unreasonable. No, but, and then, but and so that's, that's why I would just, I think it's worth a little censorship to get to that position, you know? Like, because we're not going to live in a country where you allow people, you force the, the vaccine on people. We just don't live in that kind of country for reasons that you like about it, right? Mm. So one way to get people to that position is a little censorship. I don't, I, so I don't. But I, we I, don't I live that, in a country. I think that I, okay, I, I, this is something we actually have to study maybe to see how people yeah. react. But I think that when you censor and are seen to censor yeah. information about the vaccine that the, the amount of trust that you get, you have from a good portion of the public, it diminishes. And that to, the, that around questions like pub, of public health and safety, yeah. there's even more of a need for transparency. It's not the same as a war. It's, yeah. it's, it, it has, you have to build community and public trust yeah. um, rather than treat people like they're children. And, yeah, and, I, I don't think that would die. You and I, I both. Do, that's never going to I'm, too, I'm naive, happen. right? <laughs> Which is never going to happen. So, But I do think you're right about some. I, I think what you just described is true. The way that Fauci presented everything and the way it created mistrust. So I think, you know how uh, like uh, a firm parent gets more respect than one that's like, oh, whenever you want to do, like, would you come do the assignment, do this thing, please, please help out around the house. But if somebody just says, no, get up out of your, stop playing video games and come help do the dishes, right? Like you right. don't have a choice, much more respect and you don't question. So I actually think it's an argument for, for, for mandating the vaccine and not, then you don't have to lie. Cause then you say like, look, we, it's probably, maybe it won't get hurt. How about you mandate it transparently? That's, say, it. Well, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah right. Like you say, you say to the public, everyone has to take the vaccine. But there we don't is know. some, but there is some risk, and we do not right. know if it's going to work. Right. But it is our best shot. It's our best shot. And we are all taking it together. Right. Get out of your seat. Yeah. Go take the vaccine, soldier. Yeah. See, that's and, what, <laughs> I, that would be my position. So I think, like, that, then you can be transparent, and then you can be. You can be honest in a but way. That, that means you... also facing a mistake. That's right. If you're wrong. That's right. right? That's right. And yep. having to be responsible for the right. mistake. Of course. When yep. you assume authority, you assume responsibility. And, you know, so, but, okay, but, but again, you know, there, I, I say that oh, I, I kind of like that as a parent, like as, you know, in a parent-child relationship, I'm not so sure how comfortable I am thinking the government as a parent see i i feel the opposite i have a very hard time parenting like that, but i would like the state to be like that like you know oh. like you know what i don't want to have like i don't really parent like that either yeah, i, I mean, do that but it's like everyone knows all of my kids just think i'm a, a laugh riot they they no one I know so it's right. <laughs> like think about but i do it i'm like get out of it da -da -da -da. And they're like, just smile yeah. at me. And I break down laughing and, right. and it just right. doesn't really right. hold up. That's about how it is here. But, yeah. but 
like like so let's take like speeding right like speed limit like mm. it's maddening right like you go i was i just took a trip all around the midwest and some talks and i'm driving along it's like 70 65 and i never know like what the real speed limit is right like because there's a there's the thing that's printed and then there's a real one because i see i, I go by the cop at 75 the speed limit is 70 he doesn't care or she doesn't right. care right well it's five miles over. Okay? Well, not everywhere because I uh, other times there's a cop right there. Somebody's going like ten miles over. They're fine. So that's what I mean. Like it's not there isn't like a certain thing you can. If there's this total ambiguity, and I think all of us would like it if they're just like, okay, this is the line. You're one over. You're gone. Right? Like you're Todd. Here's I think one over is a little extreme. But but I recently got. I didn't drive the longest time. I, I lived in Portland. I was a hippie. Cars are bad. I didn't drive yeah. until like, until after my divorce. And I was like, oh, I want a date. I so better start driving. Yeah. Yeah. So I got a license and uh, I started driving and, um, uh, but I was nervous. So I was always just exactly at the speed limit. Okay. Always. And, and maybe just a little under sometimes. Like, yeah, know, yeah. I was nervous. And just people wi always just whizzing by, whizzing by. Me, whizzing by. Um, and, uh, I, and then, uh, so now I try to keep up with traffic, yeah. but I think people drive like maniacs and that's just off to the side. I think, no, no, that's off the side, yeah. but I think it's an interesting point, right? That, that it's, it's tied to this vaccine question, right? Because there isn't the authority in every case is ambiguous, right? Like it's not, it doesn't just lay down a precise thing that, there's a precise thing, but then it's never heated exactly, right? So I think that mm -hmm. to me, I think that's, a, I think that's a, I think it, it it actually is more. I want to choose my word carefully because I don't think it's more authoritarian, but I think it's it's psychically harder to deal with. I think than when there's a there's an actual strict, you know, rule or law laid down, and then you can react against it. I just think with the ambiv the the ambiguity of it. And I think that's in a way, I think that's what you're reacting to with the way that these Twitter files, right? Like there's just so much ambiguity. Like there's just like, there's one thing that's being said. And then there's another thing that's really being done behind the scenes. Right. Well, in the case of the Twitter files, I don't believe that my problem is that they're the censorship is ambiguous or that the, uh, the, uh, attempt to control a narrative um is not done uniformly it the if it the more effective they are and the more uniform and coherent they are the worse that right. it would be um but no my point is that they have to resort to this because they're not just laying down a, like this is what people should be doing right like isn't it well you know the idea as a Marxist, right, yeah. and I think even as like an old-fashioned bourgeois Republican, yeah. is that we live in a society that's really dominated by everyday life, civil society, free individuals. We're not, we don't live in a society where what matters most is our relationship to some centralized authority, that, that we have norms and, and, and a kind of a general will that emerges, but that we are free. And that, and that the, the, the state and the government is our own creation. We create it in service to us. Sure. Right? So 
uh, I think that it's important to remember that uh, when we think about how we relate to authority. And, and when a, with a parental authority, you're, you're talking about a profoundly unequal relationship. It's one of the times where you, you, a good parent has to be aware of the, uh, the fact that their kid isn't a fully developed adult who deserves to have freedom and autonomy. They have to have control. That's part of being a parent. Um, but in a society that's based on, you know, modern bourgeois liberal principles, mm -hmm. that isn't the assumption. The assumption is no, people are free. They're, they're individuals are rational, capable to, you know, uh, to a large enough degree that they should be able to determine things for themselves. Something like COVID is a state of exception, right? Where there's an emergency, so we break the norms. But the, I think Agamemnon was saying, well, this state of exception won't go away. Right, that's his right. Yeah, and he's not, I don't think he's wrong because what's happened is like the virality project around COVID hasn't gone away. It's just being transformed into a project around uh, the war on Ukraine and political extremism. And before that, before COVID and before that, it was these kinds of things were done, maybe not under, in terms of the First Amendment as much, although perhaps they were, and I just don't know it, but they were done in the name of protecting us from terrorism, which also created another kind of state of exception. Right, that's so, the one Agamben was most on about, right? Right. So. I don't, I think we should see our current moment as in continuity with the war on terrorism and that break from, you know, the norms of civil society and, and, you know, the constitutionally protected rights for Americans that happened after 9-11 that it just hasn't gone away. It's been, it's, you know, as the war on terror has faded, new justifications for the state of exception have been grabbed onto. To, you know, sometimes to maybe COVID was an actual state of exception. Um, I don't think the war in Ukraine is. Um, I, I, uh, I think that it, that is precisely the moment where a free and democratic society. No, I agree with that. I agree. I think, I mean, I think, I think a variety of views on that war is, is a good thing, right? Like that's a, right. that's a good thing for a democratic society. And, and the fact that Putin won't allow a variety of views is, is one reason why he's a, he's a, I don't know what you want to call him, a bad actor or, a, or part right. of the, part of the, part of the global right. You know, like, I think that mm -hmm. that's, you know, he's, he, like, there's a whole, I think it's, I mean, there is a kind of interesting divide emerging, right. Between mm -hmm. the global right. And then, I mean, whatever else, you know, liberal democracy, whatever. Right. Like that's right. Although I think that, line is really fuzzy and when someone like aoc stands up and says and throw and and blast matt taibbi i'll tell you a little bit about that maybe but when someone like aoc stands up and and says that the, these allegations about the department of homeland security and the documents that have come forward are a waste of time they don't need to be looked at uh that this was a republican attack on the Democratic Party, that demonstrates the degree to which the line between liberal and authoritarian is blurred. And I don't think AOC is acting like a liberal or differently than Putin 
when she... You don't think she's acting differently than Putin? Not when she does that. Not when she says, we don't have to investigate the way in which the secret police no, no, are no, no, suppressing... Doug, Doug, if she wasn't acting differently than Putin, she would have killed Tahibi. Or he would have fallen out the... Oh, well, okay. okay. All right. So, but, no, and maybe to a matter degree, but not in principle. Come on. Not in principle. It's the same motivation. The, the, the principle is the same, which is that speech shouldn't be free. There is no right uh, to be, uh, you know, a, a free, uh, you know, expression. Um, I don't have the obligation as a congressperson to serve this public and protect their rights. That's not what I'm there for. I'm there to serve the authority of the state. Now, would she, would, you know, they don't have, they haven't had Taibi killed. They have sent the IRS to his house, okay. um, <laughs> you know, uh, on the day that he was testifying to Congress, the IRS showed up to ask for some old records and things like that, which was highly unusual. He's not been, he's not committed any fraud. Okay. But, you know, so, but, you know, I'm not, that's not an assassination. Absolutely. Yeah. Russia yeah. is worse. They killed the journalists. Yeah. We just systematically suppress them you know that that well i mean i think why to me the argument would be that the the right the but if we but if taibi was killed yeah would we have the ability to recognize it as political killing if it was aoc who did it if it was the democrats who had him killed would the left be able to recognize that okay that's an interesting question yeah, I think, I, yeah, that's a very good question because, uh, and I, here's what I was going to say, that I think mm -hmm. your point is, and this is the same thing I find kind of interesting, and I think it's also true of certain kind of, um, not necessarily like this word, but like political correct sort of discourse, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That this failure to, the, the failure to take up a critical position by leftists, and what you've said, like catering to the Democratic Party, Democratic yeah. Party, that's what you were talking about. Mm -hmm. Like that, because AOC even said, like, that person, they aren't really in the same party. I think she's talking about Biden, of all people. Um, mm -hmm. Like in a real democracy, we would be in separate parties. I think she yeah. said that. Yeah. Well, so, so the fact that this failure to be critical of the left, or of the, sorry, of the Democratic Party by the left, mm -hmm. ends up and I think this is a pretty interesting point. Ends up pushing people into the to the right that would order to otherwise be leftist. Right. I'm not sure. I think that seems to me like a really important and interesting point. And I, I you know, I have some friends that are that work in like warehouses and places like that. And they're like, you know, the whole way that people Democratic Party talks about things just completely alienates working class. Right. Like just the whole. Right. So what I, do you think? What, what were they referring to particularly there? Well, they were referring to like what they think is like certain like cancel campaigns and mm. things like that. Right. Mm. Uh, and I, I that because they're just like, look, that's not that doesn't seem like a like some speech offense seems like less important to them. than I don't know. Conditions of the. Yeah. As Engels would say, like conditions of the working class in, right. in England, right? Like I, I, I don't. I, so uh, anyway, so but my point is, I think that I, I like that point by you that there is a kind of 
a failure to be critical of the Democratic Party ends up pushing people that want to be critical to the right. And it also right. also this alienation of the of the working class. We move to the right in two ways. One, we push people who are in opposition to the the conditions of society to to the populist right in America, let's say, right. uh, to someone like Trump. But then also, those who don't move that direction abandon the the things that would give them the ability to be critical. They and become more interested in the the name than they are in, in the ideas. And so then by staying with the Democrats, they're also moving to the right in a different way. But there's not like there's a left there in the end that's really actually critical. The right doesn't, isn't like with like this thing with Elon Musk and Twitter files, there's a, some story about the additional story to it. All this story that, that Matt Taibbi was, was reporting on uh, the, his access to the files just ended yesterday. And the reason why was because Elon Musk decided to block all links to Substack. Right. Why? Not because he wanted to suppress people's speech there or he cared what they were saying, because they were competing with Twitter. Right. They had created a new one. He didn't want to, he, he's like, why are we subsidizing this, this competitive? And so now that means Taibi, who was reporting on these Twitter files on Twitter, um, is no longer going to be on Twitter because he can't link his own reporting from Twitter. Uh, you know, he can't link to his own articles. So, uh, and that means that he's breaking the terms of the original agreement, was that, which was he could look at all the files he wanted, but he has to do all his reporting on Twitter. So that means there goes the whole story. Not all of it's gone, but the developing story has been cut short by the Elon Musk. Um, and so that means, yeah, you can't turn to these guys, can't turn to Trumpers to, or the capitalist class. Or the capitalist or, class, right? right? I mean, again, that seems to me to underline the point I made. Maybe it was But for a little while, though, some things got out. Yeah. When okay. he was, when Taibbi was a journalist and just said, okay, I'll look at all the files, he got a lot of really important information out. Now it's being cut off. Um, possibly, I mean, I, who knows, uh, but, uh, it seems likely. And the other thing that happened and I'm, and in a moment, maybe I'll, we, I can ask you this in the, the, about this in the terms of, uh, negation. Um, but we see went on MSNBC and, you know, uh, Midi Hassan, uh -huh. what yeah. Midi Hassan just tore him up. Matt Taibbi, uh, not Elon Musk He's like, and he, and he, like he found three mistakes in Taibbi's reporting, which were yeah. kind of, one was that Taibbi had said that um, the, some organization was tied to the, oh no, that some organization reported a tweet and it, and he misattributed it. He said it was the CISA, which is the Department of Homeland Security. Yeah. And it was actually the CIS, which is a nonprofit. Okay. What? And that was one example. Now that nonprofit is partnered with the CISA. Okay. <laughs> so it seems like a venal sin, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it was, it was a mistake. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. Tabies ago, like, oh, I'm sorry about that. He also missed, he, he said a one nonprofit was started in order to help uh, fill the gaps for the Department of Homeland Security after 2022, when Department of Homeland Security started getting some uh, political heat for what they were doing. 
that's not true. They were actually founded two years before to help the D Department of Homeland Security and had been doing it already. Okay. That doesn't mean they weren't there helping right. the Department of Homeland Security. It just means it wasn't in, they weren't formed in reaction to political pressure. Right. And then the third one was something else, something along those lines uh, around labeling. And, but anyway, because he found him out on those three and problems, and then he also, there are some other things that happened. People are saying that, and, and AOC is saying, this discredits the entirety of the Twitter filed reporting. Uh, we've been wasting our, the Republicans have been wasting our time and we don't need, you know, and uh, let's, this has been, a hoax and a scam the whole time because of these. I see three errors, three, three little errors that didn't really touch the substance of the reporting and the left online, the Twitter left, which is, you know, pretty worthless. Um, it's just absolutely very, you know, ex extremely excited to, to see Taibbi go down this guy. Oh, really? has, yeah. Because he partnered with Elon Musk and because it matters who says things just yeah. as much as it matters what is said. Um, so because Musk is, is attached to Trump and Taibbi was critical of Russiagate and now he's working for Musk, it doesn't matter that it exposed that the threat right. of Homeland Security is censoring all of our speech. What matters is that these bad guys are... Anyway, I just thought I'd point, point that out. This is all... Yes. This is, I am obsessed. I'm on Twitter just like <laughs> fighting about this. Yeah. I need to like take a break. And then that talking to you was. Oh, helpful. good. This is your break. But now I, no, this is when you thought you got out. I sucked you back in. No, it's not true. I completely sucked you into this conversation. Yeah. You had no reason to <laughs> bring it up. Um, but uh, I, I guess what I'm, but it does seem like we, and then in a moment, I'll, we'll, we'll finish this part and, and maybe talk again for the patrons and about your book. And then maybe I can release that. Uh, or, you know, about Freud and Lacan and, and enjoyment. And I can release that again publicly, but, um, cause that's the, you know, got to sell the book, yeah. Todd. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. Um, but I want to like, what remains of a disagreement between us? Cause I feel like there's still is a, a kind of, it has to do with our, our feeling about authority. And I think maybe it has to do with my perhaps naive, uh, faith in the rationality of uh, American people. Yeah. 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 And not just yeah. Americans like Africans and Chinese people. And no, but you, and you, you reference the constitution. I don't often reference the constitution and Bill. Oh Clinton. yeah. I, you know, I mean, I don't think it's super structural, but <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I, I just, I think the difference is I'm much, much more, and this is probably an error on my part. I'm just much more wary of, of, the censorship and power of capital than I am of the state. I just, this, I mean, I think that's the difference. I mean, I think that I'm, so when I hear about state, I, you know, like during, look, I agree the war thing, we're on the same page, right? Like I think Ukraine war, it probably, it's not, it seems to me clear that it's an act of aggression, but, but okay. I think there can be disagreement about that. And that seems, so I'm a, but I do, I just think there are certain moments at which the state has to, has to articulate a narrative and, and eliminate any or reject any alternatives. And I don't, I don't necessarily have a problem with that, even if it ultimately proves wrong, like with the vaccine, like 
I think Agamben, even if it turns out he was totally right historically, I think he was wrong at the time, given what was known, to take up that position. Right? Now, is like, that because you don't think the Constitution is uh, an adequate document to uh, protect people's rights and the and the capital and capitalism is limiting speech so much already that we just have to go all the way to letting the state be more powerful than capital in this regard? No, I'm totally in favor of the state being more more powerful than capital. Yes, absolutely. Right, Not, right. Because I think when, when capital directs things, we have this belief that we are free. But I think, I absolutely, I mean, I'm just saying Elliot on this. Like, this is completely, this is the ABC of yeah, the yeah. philosophy of right. You know, that the state is the only possible break on capital and that the state is what constitutes us as a subject. So our freedom is freedom relative to the law, not freedom to just do whatever we want. So I, I, I think there's no freedom. I'm not a liberal. I don't think there's freedom outside of the state structure, which is constitutive of us. Like, I don't think, oh, first we're free, then we come together to form. I don't think that's how it works. I think no. we're constituted as subjects through the state. So I, or whatever the larger organization. The society, is. there's some sort of mediating right. social right. structure. Social right. order, whatever. Right. Right. So, and I think capital is a profound danger to that. And so, and I think it gives us this illusion of liberal freedom. And I don't think that's what freedom is. So that, so that's why constitution, of course, I'm for it. And like, I'm, I don't want people to be restricted about what, everything they can say. But I think that freedom, it, 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 that the, that the, the state is the source of our freedom. So it's not, I don't think, okay, it restricts it too, but it's also the source of it, in my view. Right. Um, and so from my point of view, what creates conditions of freedom actually, as, and I say this as a Marxist, actually are, it would be the mode of production in society and that in yeah. capitalist society is capital. Like, and what we can see is that the power, the increasing power of the state is connected to this contradiction within capital, which yeah. is the tendency for capital to accumulate. And, and therefore set up um, monopoly powers, which ultimately have to be, which ultimately become aligned with the state and which are uh, managed by the state. Um, so managed by the state? See, yeah. I don't, not at all. I think the state is often managed by capital, but I don't think capital well, ever. The, the the, the, if you are in management, you're not in management because you're not managing something for yourself. You're managing something for it. You are, you like, you know, if I'm managing a phone room and I'm a good manager, I'm not making everybody come in and, and give me, you know, candy in the beginning of the day as the manager and making sure I get the highest pay. I'm managing the phone room. This is a job I used to work, you know, in the okay. room, <laughs> um, to make it efficient at what it does. Right? right. So the state is stepping in to manage and regulate capital. Capital. Right. Right. Uh, not and and the limits and contradictions of capital limit what the state can do, but, but it limits what the state like the whole conditions of possibility of what the state can do. It doesn't, Agreed. right? So, um, so, but the yeah, but the idea of um, free speech in a capitalist democratic society is that um, it goes along with like limiting monopoly power, right. you know, and and. Uh, trying to encourage competition between capitalists because the idea is that everyone should have the right to speak and express themselves. Um, 
and that the market will work out, you know, which ideas rise to the top. I mean, that's not the, the market is not a great mechanism for that. But the state then would come in and when it the, the state thinks it's necessary to manage the market of information rather than let it be free. Right. Um, and when you start managing the market of information, you are, you're, you're talking about just outright, especially in, especially online where, you know, in reality, there is no market for speech online. There, it is not monetizable. It's only monetizable uh, through advertising and, and uh, by having, creating platforms, but it's not my speech. On YouTube, I get some money, but when I'm on Facebook or Twitter, I not that's not I'm not creating monetizable speed for them for, my, for myself. Kind of complicated, but but um, yeah, I but I mean, if no one was on Twitter, Twitter wouldn't make any money. But but right, but I'm using a service. It's more like a phone than it is like you know. It's weirdly. I'm communicating with millions, but I'm really like, I, well, no one would say, oh, every time you talk on the phone, the phone company should pay you. Right. And right. And so right. like, I'm not creating a product. The product is the phone. The product is the ability to communicate. It's a, the technology of communication. That's the product. Um, but anyway, putting that aside, the, the, my main point is just that when the state steps in to control what can be said, um, on the on the internet it's kind of like them controlling what you can say on the phone it's kind of like what they're them controlling what you can say uh or you can write down or who gets ink who doesn't because this is the primary way of communicating in society um and um so it's it it's not like they're the, the victim here is twitter that's not the victims aren't twitter when it comes to suppressing speech on Twitter, the victims aren't, you know, um, isn't MSNBC when they suppress stories on MSNBC or create narratives on NBC, in MSNBC or on Fox. The victims are the public who doesn't get to have good information and, and be exposed to ideas and and or express them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't know. Cool. I mean, no, I feel like cool. I'm on a soapbox. Here. No, that's, that's, I don't disagree with that. I mean, I, yeah, but I, I just, I mean, if you want to say where we disagree, it's probably, I, I'm just much more of a statist, I think, than you are about in terms of freedom, right? Like, I just think the state is the source of our freedom. That's full stop. That's what I think. So, so, right. so I, and I think capital is the biggest danger to our freedom and that the state, when it puts a break on capital, it's, it's actually protecting our freedom. So that's why I'm, a, I'm not as, I'm much more sanguine about some of these. I mean, I, I, I agree basically with your critique, but I'm just, 